0: I think it moved us forward. It unfortunately has not removed the barriers permanently, but we are in a better place because
1: of it. Welcome to episode 217 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. On August 10th, the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit filed its opinion in the case of the states of Tennessee and North Carolina versus the FCC. As you probably already know, the case was based on a February 2015 ruling in which the FCC preempted state laws that restricted municipal internet networks. You probably also know that the court found in favor of the states and reversed the FCC's ruling. In this podcast, Chris and I discuss the court's decision and what we think the future holds for communities affected by it. We also discuss next steps and what this ultimately means for the municipal broadband movement and the fight to restore local authority. To read about the decision and the history of the case that was commenced by the cities of Wilson and Chattanooga, check out our stories on muninetworks.org. We've collected the opinions, briefs, and a number of stories as the case unfolded. Here we go. Hey Lisa, welcome back to the office. Hey Chris, glad to be back. What's more
0: terrifying, working with me on a daily basis or the roller coasters of Cedar Point in Ohio?
1: No comment.
0: <laughs> well, you came back and it's a, we're, we're beyond time where we should talk about the Sixth Circuit decision on the podcast.
1: Yes, it did happen a while ago and we've been licking our wounds.
0: Oh, I mean, it's disappointing. It's not the end of the world. I think we haven't really lost that much. Um, really it's it's bad for North Carolina and Tennessee. I would argue the impact on the rest of the states, it's it's marginal. I don't I really don't think it's as big of a deal, and I'm I, I think the most important thing is that we are better off today than we were 18 months ago when the FCC started this, even though we lost at the appeals level and even though probably no one will be appealing it further. um, I think the FCC really, um, you know, helped to encourage more investment by going down this road.
1: Right. And, you know, something has been defined, You know, there has been some boundaries established, and so now we know that will not work.
0: Right. I mean, the FCC went through this incredible comment period, and I think, you know, a number of us were sort of waiting to see from the comments if we were actually going to see substantive good arguments against municipal networks. But we didn't. We basically saw the same five to ten cities being trotted out where it didn't go very well or where it did go well, frankly, and the the industry lies about how it went. We didn't see any really good arguments against it, and the FCC made it very clear in their order that uh, these municipal networks have been a positive force Mm -hmm. and that communities should be able to decide them. Now, Lisa, you're the legal beagle, so let's ask you to jump in and tell us a little bit about the decision, because I think the most important thing is that the decision really doesn't say anything about municipal networks except to say very clearly that it accepts the FCC's determination that municipal networks are generally a good thing, they're positive, and if I was to sum it up, you can explain it more in depth, This the, the Sixth Circuit basically said, look, states are doing stupid things by, by banning these municipal networks, by creating these barriers. That's what the FCC found. And we found no reason to dispute that. But states have the right to do stupid things. Right.
1: And it's, you know, it's not the first time that a decision has come to this. It, it was basically a question of states' rights versus the federal authority to tell a state what to do.
0: Right, and specifically, I think, an executive agency, right? Right. Because no one doubts that if Congress was very clear, Congress could do this, or if Congress more clearly gave the power to the FCC, it could then do it.
1: So this is this whole concept of having a federal government, but still giving states the ability to run themselves, control themselves, this Gregory precedent says that if the federal government is going to decide to control some part of governing, then they have to be very specific about what it is. Right. And there was nothing in statute... Not
0: enough. There, was, right. it's not there is nothing
1: no, that says that the federal not that there's government... There's
0: nothing. Right. There's just not enough. Right.
1: And so uh, that is why the court in this, in this case decided to defer to the states ability to control this issue. Right.
0: It was not clear that the FCC was given the power by Congress to overrule state law.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Right. You know, that's that's one of the principles that, that we hold pretty dear here yeah. at ILSR. And we actually, I mean, the idea of, of anti-being anti-preemption. Right. So you it's know,
1: bittersweet for us.
0: Well, in this case, I mean, in this case, we supported preemption to get rid of preemption. <laughs> I mean, it was, that was the odd situation mm-hmm. in which we want cities to be able to make up their own minds. And frankly, I would say, and I was ragging on the states a little bit for making stupid policy, at the Institute for Local Self Reliance, I think we generally think cities should have more freedom, and some cities will do dumb things, and that is the price of freedom. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think that's it's a double edged sword, and um, it's disappointing, but it's certainly not the end of the world. And I think that I should go back. It's been almost a year since I debated on the Federalist Society podcast a number of people, including. I believe he goes by Randy May, but he's listed as Randolph May, and uh, he debated us on the Federalist Society. He basically said the decision was going to come down to this, and this is how it would be decided, and he was right. Yeah, snaps Um, to Randy. Right, so he, he... correctly identified that. Um, so let's talk about where we go from here. So the FCC cannot get rid of these laws. North Carolina and Tennessee still have these laws. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about what would have happened.
1: But first of all, let's look at North Carolina. Right Okay, right. Yeah. Let's talk about North Carolina. And um, I'm curious about Pine Tops and Wilson, um, but specifically Pine Tops, um, because, you know, this is a community that they um, expanded to this small community that's really has sort of started to blossom since they've had access to green light.
0: Right. So Wilson has this municipal network in North Carolina. It's great, but they cannot go outside their county boundaries without incurring all of these terrible restrictions that the state has passed specifically to stop Wilson from going outside of its county, even though its electric department already serves in four other counties. And the FCC really went through this with a fine-tooth comb as to why these really are effectively a barrier to Wilson being able to expand. But during that period where the FCC had struck down the North Carolina law, Wilson went outside of its county to bring service to Pine Tops, this community of 1,700 people, and as we learned today from the New York Times, a manufacturing facility that was built after Wilson brought fiber optics to it to process potatoes.
1: Right. See now, I think that they will allow them to continue to provide that service. I
0: think North Carolina would be crazy if they didn't. Yeah,
1: because because pine tops can argue, look, we're already dependent on it. So by making them stop, they're going to be causing undue harm.
0: Right. Well, and, and not just that, but I think even if you look at Time Warner Cable, who basically wrote this bill and rammed it through with the help of ALEC and, and AT&T and a few others... Um, I don't think they would be served by more and more stories talking about how ridiculous it is that Pine Tops has to go back to having really crappy CenturyLink service, right? Because right? that's the only option. There's no cable in Pine Tops. Mm-hmm. Pine Tops is stuck with CenturyLink. And even though in the New York Times piece that CenturyLink claims is doing a good job, I spoke with a resident from Pine Tops. He said the best that is advertised is 10 by 1, and they don't even get that. Right. It's slower than that. Sure. Mm-hmm. So... If I'm, if I'm working for Time Warner Cable in North Carolina, I'm thinking, I don't care about Pine Tops. I just don't want to see a bunch of stories about how great municipal broadband is in Pine Tops and it's being ripped away. So yeah, you just grandfather it in. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I would, that would be the rational thing to happen. Mm-hmm. But the question is, of course, this is an election season. Um, this is, um, um, I don't know exactly when this, I, mean, I don't know if the, if the law would start being reinforced at the end of the appeal period, which I believe would be 90 days, but that would be before the next session would start. So they'd have to do a special session to grandfather it in. Um, so I don't really know what happens here, but I have to think that that is ultimately what happens in the longer term. Um, If it doesn't, then Pine Tops becomes a poster child um, for an an invigorated campaign to try and roll back this ridiculous barrier that lessens investment in North Carolina.
1: Right. So then the next question is, it moves everything to state-level fights.
0: Right. I don't think we're going to see a significant um, federal angle to trying to restore local choice. Uh, we may, you know, certainly um, Senators Cory Booker and a number of others have signed on to a um, um, a bill in the Senate, um, all, all Democrats. It'd be really great to have some Republicans on there, but none have been willing to break the party orthodoxy on municipal broadband currently. Um, so even though this is, we talked about this many times and I always like to reiterate it at the local level, it's not partisan, but at the federal level, it suddenly is. And you have Republicans that want these bans. Um, they, don't want, they don't trust their own people to make these decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see that going through Congress. Um, I certainly think that President Obama would support it. Uh, you know, So this will be a state-level issue. We're going to see this fighting in state by state, which is where we were before, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about Tennessee, and then we'll talk more about the okay. state by state. Okay. So, so where's Tennessee at?
1: In Tennessee, they're not allowed to expand beyond the reach of the utility. And there's Bradley County that's nearby. Chattanooga. Right. Nearby Chattanooga, where EPB, there are people who are like right across the street from each other, where one person can get EPB fiber optics and the person across the street cannot. Right. And Bradley County has been suffering for a long time asking with for With AT&T help. service. Right. With crap AT&T right, service. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's. Every
0: year, it's gotten we've gotten closer to seeing this bill cha- pass um, in Tennessee. That's been brought by state Republicans there, where it's less partisan. Where you have state Republicans that are fighting hard to remove this barrier. But AT and T and Comcast they really have a lock on the legislature, and that bill um, has not been able to get out of committee. But I think you know, in the wake of this decision, we'll see the grassroots movement getting stronger. We're going to see more organization, and I think it's going to be harder for Comcast and AT and T to protect their protectionist legislation, especially when the state just issued this report. The, oh, um, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Ra- Commissioner Randy Boyd of that's Economic right. Development. Their
1: own report. He
0: commissioned a report, and he is someone who had had a lot of hesitations about removing barriers to municipal networks. And he commissioned a report saying, what's the situation of broadband in Tennessee and what can we do to make it better? The report came back and said, these barriers are ridiculous. <laughs> That's right. You know, like, why would you not let Chattanooga expand? So now that they have that report, I really hope that we can see, you know, Governor Haslam and uh, Commissioner Randy Boyd just pushing hard to uh, get that. I don't know enough about the state politics right now to know if they're up for re- if um, Governor Haslam up for reelection or not. But um,
1: is Tom Tillis? Out of North Carolina. Okay. He's a I, senator
0: I, from North Carolina. I keep, I keep he thinking he's- He was the Speaker of the House right, in North yeah. Carolina, who was owned by Time Warner right. Cable, pushed that bill through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, he has nothing to do with Tennessee.
1: Tennessee is uh, Blackburn. She's, right. She's the one in Tennessee. She's the right, one in Tennessee. Right,
0: Representative Marsha Blackburn, yeah. you know, um, I mean, I, I she had so much money from the cable and telephone right. companies. Ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah. So, uh um, don't even get me started. So <laughs> in Tennessee, I think we can we can expect and I think I predicted that this year would be the year I was optimistic it did not happen. But in 2017, um, we can hope that Tennessee will remove that barrier on its own. Mm-hmm. And then the municipal networks will be able to expand.
1: Right. And then you know, you see Colorado, there's so much
0: going on. Sure. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's a real challenge there. And I think, you know, we'll talk about Colorado coming up when mm-hmm. we talk about all these referendums that are going to be happening again on, on election day. So we'll, we'll come back to that and talk about the challenges of changing that law. One of the things I really wanted to to bring up is that I think there's this question of what have we lost because we lost that decision and certainly the FCC um, cannot go about Removing these state barriers now in that way. If the Sixth Circuit had agreed with the FCC, first of all, we would have had to deal with another 12 to 18 months of uncertainty while the cable and telephone companies appealed it to the Supreme Court. Yeah, they certainly
1: would have, yeah. They got the money.
0: So they would have pushed it through there and then the FCC would not have probably taken action during that period. Mm -hmm. Um, Which means that we're basically done with the Wheeler FCC. Chairman Wheeler is going to be replaced at some point by the next president. Right now, it seems likely that next president would be Hillary Clinton. So Hillary Clinton is supportive of municipal broadband. Um, Probably the next chair hopefully will be. However, it's worth noting that, and I I bring this up frequently, the first four years of the Obama administration were quite poor at the FCC. So we can't just assume that the FCC, if it's Hillary, will continue in the same way it's been. Chairman Wheeler has been uniquely supportive of municipal broadband and in many ways of other competitive actions to try and encourage competition. So it's not clear that other states would have been able to use this even if North Carolina and Tennessee were. So let's just say in a world in which the FCC certainly has this power under under Chairman Wheeler, It's not clear that Colorado or or Minnesota or Wisconsin or Texas or Nebraska or any of these other states would be able to then go to the FCC and have the same result. Mm -hmm. Because many of their barriers were a little bit different. You'd have to go through another process at the FCC, get at least three votes. And I don't know that we could have counted on that necessarily in a new administration. Mm -hmm. So... I don't feel like we've necessarily lost a lot. What we've gained is a lot more coverage. There's a lot more press attention about these successes. Well, that's for sure about municipal networks, Mm -hmm. we have this incredible record that the FCC has put together and I mean this is one of those things where you can really refer to this as rock solid because the FCC took everyone's comment they sifted through them and they had to look at the evidence and they concluded that municipal networks are a success Mm -hmm. in general Mm -hmm. that there is a viable strategy for communities to go forth. Now they didn't say that iProvo was a success, right? And we've talked about how in fact the Utah law actually undermined Provo and led to them using a riskier business model than they otherwise would have. Is one of the things that we argued was that these laws are ridiculous because they're actually increasing the risk of taxpayers and in local communities rather than decreasing the risk which mm-hmm. is what they claim to be doing. But I think, you know, the point is is that we would not necessarily have been able to use this power in future administrations. So mm-hmm. I'm not set back. I feel like I'm I'm reinvigorated. I think people are more enthusiastic about changing these barriers at the state level. You know, it's more clear than ever to more people that these barriers are contra are counterproductive. Mm-hmm. So True.
1: Um, I mean it definitely gave us not just us, but it gave everybody the opportunity to see the data.
0: Yes. And, and so it's really unfortunate for North Carolina and Tennessee. You know, they're the ones that really suffer the fallout of the Sixth Circuit decision. But I, it's not the end of the world. And and I think it really helps to highlight uh, what poor policy this would be to restrict local decision making. Mm-hmm. Local governments, communities need to be the ones that decide what are the appropriate strategies for ensuring everyone has high quality Internet access. And and nothing's changed um, you know, uh, because the Sixth Circuit has ruled that in the case of, of how our federal government interacts with our sovereign states, um, somewhat sovereign states, um, that are, I, can't, I can't avoid the alliteration when I have the opportunity, um, <laughs> because of how the federal government operates with our somewhat sovereign states, that in this case, the FCC cannot remove state municipal broadband restrictions no matter how stupid, counterproductive, and clearly protectionist they are.
1: Great. So, even though the result was bad, the overall result was a positive outcome.
0: Right. I know there's this, there's this, there's this idea that somehow Chairman Wheeler has lost prestige, or the FCC has lost prestige because they lost this decision. That's just like your opinion, man, to quote <laughs> Jeff Lebowski. Um, you know, what it comes down to is all about perception. In my perception... The chairman and uh, the um, commissioners, Clyburn and Rosenworcel, were willing to go out on a limb to say, we are so supportive of this that we are going to embrace this test case. And, and let's just plug Harold Feld. Harold Feld has a brilliant post. on he his. does. It's a if, really good post about it. If you really want it. to understand this, if you're at all confused about what we're talking mm-hmm. about, I highly recommend reading his post on his Tales from the Sausage Factory blog um, about this. And, and we are better off. I think you know, the goal of the FCC is not to win every case. It's not to just take the safest path. It's really to move investment forward and their decision to overrule North Carolina and Tennessee in this position. I think it moved us forward. It unfortunately has not removed the barriers permanently, but we were in a better place because of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what their job was. Hear, here, Everyone, I hope that you had a great summer. Um, I'm sure you didn't have as much fun as Lisa just did at Cedar Point.
1: Woohoo!
0: Uh, but this will be our last podcast of the summer, I guess. Coming back, it'll be Labor Day, post-Labor Day. Yeah. Uh, we've got a lot of things lined up. I'm very excited about, so... Um, Hope you enjoyed this, and hope it answered your questions. If not, leave us uh,
1: some comments. That was Chris and I talking about the recent opinion from the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit. Remember, we have transcripts for this and other Community Broadband Bits podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcasts at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow MuniNetworks.org stories on Twitter, where the handle is at MuniNetworks.org. Thank you to the group Roller Genoa for their song, Safe and Warm in Hunter's Arms, licensed through Creative Commons. And thank you for listening to Episode 217 of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast.